Hello and welcome back to the CX Spotlight podcast and our mini-series Conversations in Isolation. In today's conversation, I talk with Simon Batcher, who is Avaya's new Managing Director for ANZ, having joined the company from Optus Business. Simon's remit is to expand the market presence for Avaya's cloud, remote work and employee experience technologies, so a lot going on there. And we discuss what it's like as a leader to join an organisation during these tumultuous times, how business models are being reinvented, what's changed for the customer, and Simon's hopes for the future. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Simon. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Real pleasure to have you here on the pod today. Thank you, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Looking forward to, uh, to a good conversation with yourself. So we're four or five months, maybe six months in. I'm, I'm kind of losing count how many months now since this pandemic <laughs> broke um, <laughs> from the beginning of March. But, you know, obviously several months in, several phases in as well. What has your experience been like through the pandemic thus far? Oh, it's um, look. I think for for everybody, and uh, and I look. I'm I'm fortunate enough to firstly call out that I'm I'm in a job. So you know, I feel very sorry for people I know that have been more heavily impacted. So I I, th- I count myself as very lucky uh, as a human being, first and foremost. Equally as well, I, I think the other things that we we worry about in life sort of took a, a bit of a back seat, didn't they? the parallel concerns of environment and congestion and traveling uh, for work or otherwise uh, more generally have sort of been pushed back in the mind a little because this big overshadowed event, um, you know, really came about in a, in a very, well, I guess, unique way because I don't think many people have lived through the, uh, the Spanish flu and mm. this particular example. So, you know, no one really probably expected this and, and had the experience. So for everybody, including myself, it, it, it's, it's been about adaptability and, and how mm. adaptive we can be. I'm a very outgoing social character. Funnily enough, particularly yeah. in the workplace, walking corridors, yeah. engaging with people, having open conversation. So I, I have found this hard. And I'm sure many of us have in that regard, if you, if you haven't been used to being contained in one environment uh, forever. But I also believe we have a resiliency about us and we are adaptable. And I had to adjust, like many, to work around my children in the home. And I had to adjust to driving maybe once a week instead of driving five times a week, which I was used to and I enjoyed because those are the mm. special moments to yourself, listening yeah. to the radio in the car. And, and so I had to also make sure I personalize this to myself to some degree what was I going to miss in this schedule that I was now in of working from home would it mean that I wouldn't go to the gym and do my exercise which I'm a big fan of and keeps me sane in mind uh, healthy in body Uh, would it mean that you know particular hobbies are going to take a back seat so what I found was quite quickly with good support from my family uh, equally, my wife wanting to do the same thing, we adapted in a way that said we will get moments in time that we must use for one another and to support one another. So in that regard, you know, we managed to adapt. Secondary to that, of course, here in New South Wales, we've been a bit more fortunate, uh, very fortunate, I feel, compared to, you know, some. it, it shows how quickly in Victoria something mm. like this can take hold. And, and uh, you know, my heart goes out to anybody still in lockdown, still having to cope. And, and, and with a second lockdown, you know, it, it's, it's an even worse implication on the mind as, as much as, you know, uh, uh, for everybody feeling. 
I think for me, it was a, a thing that we're all experiencing as a as a as a team to some degree in a mm. working environment or or in the world. But also, you have to find your own place, and you have to find and latch on to those things that are meaningful to you, and try and maintain them as almost a routine. Because if that routine breaks, then that's where I think it can affect people more. And you touched on a, a whole bunch of things there, Simon. And you know, I think one of the things that I'm hearing there is that. You can't just look at this from your own perspective. And it, it's, it's, it's enabled us, I think, to have a very global perspective on the problem as well. I mean, like me, you're from the UK, you know, family in the UK, et cetera. But, you know, I think mm. it's, it's, you don't just look at this from a New South Wales perspective. You know, obviously, you're, you're, you're mindful of colleagues in other parts of Australia. You're mm-hmm. mindful of, of family around the world. You're an international business. So you yourself, I believe, have been working previously in Singapore like myself. So you look at this through a lens where you can see how different countries have tackled this in different ways. Yeah, fundamentally, it kind of comes back to the impacts it does have on the individual and how you, you cope and navigate through through that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's mm-hmm. caused us to kind of connect and think through what it means for other people and not just ourselves, um, which I think is really Definitely. important. Definitely. I think, you know, on, on, on the face of it, we can all look at this with one lens. But to your point, uh, everybody's actually impacted in, in their own unique way. You know, being so far from, from uh, people back at home, you know, that can make it feel harder because you've, you've got no control over this. And, and ultimately, we've got family and friends affected back in the UK. We can't travel to sea. We can't support mm. our parents, those sorts of things. Mm. So all of those things come to front of mind. And being able to ratify all that in, in your mind is a challenge when you're also simply trying to maintain a life uh, a life for yourself you know but through work or otherwise so okay, i think it, it it has an implication but i think you know on the, on the workplace front whilst we all have to be cautious how we we manage something like this and and work within the uh, within the framework um, that was a uh, you know sort of implicated on us through through lockdowns what i would say is i've seen i've i've seen that resilience come through in so many mm. you know people uh, we're getting into people's homes uh, like never before. We yeah. are we are engaging with people probably like never before, and I, and I think that's helped to some degree because I actually now you know whereas I might have been in an office and I could walk the floor and look forward yeah. to certain meetings, I just look forward to them in a different space now, and that space is right in front of me via a video conference, and that mm. that has become you know that that was not a norm in the home. Let's be no. honest. And, and I think uh, I was at least used to it because of the, the line of work that I'm in and, you know, what my, my company provides is that right. very capability. So for me, mm. it was a norm anyway. But seeing it in the home, uh, engaging with people for a, a Friday night quiz yep. session or drink yep. session or, yep. or just talking to people via VC in the home has become almost, you know, new and now it's going to become something that's now ingrained in a way that many people will continue to to engage in that way um so I, I think it's got some good outcomes to it to some degree uh, for those that maybe hadn't chose to use this technology to engage over long distance and that sort of thing um and i think it it, it can act as an enabler uh, for many people that perhaps had not had not thought about using the technology previously so i think that's why it's made it um, more prevalent because so mm-hmm. many people of course are now using it that's right and i think previously we were quite 
perfectionist about how we use this, especially if we're at home, silence, you know, no noise mm-hmm. in the background. Mm-hmm. Just keep the kids in a separate room and, and so on. And I think now we're a lot more tolerant of all of those, you know, background noises and excuse us, going, <laughs> you know, someone's doing a delivery. I'll be back in a second. A colleague of mine, Lizzie, she didn't realize that her partner was on a business call and she, at the end of the day sort of thing, and she kind of just came and gave him a great big hug and a kiss. And she hadn't realized he was on a call. He just like let back as if he'd been electrocuted. <laughs> I'm on a business call. Step away. <laughs> I, I love that though, don't you? I, I, yeah. I, I think it's, it, it's sort of, you know, where, whereas we might have been used to those conversations in, in, the, in a corridor or in a room just before a meeting or just at the end of a meeting. I actually don't think it meant that we were as engaged with people as we thought we were. Mm. And I think what this has mm. done is it's magnified that to a degree that, that actually uh, I, I'll give you our experience. You know, when we're on meetings, if someone's child appears, we stop because, you know, there, there is an effect there. If, if somebody's yeah. not on a headset and they're on a speaker, the, chi- the yeah. child's listening to something they, they are not aware of. And equally, we want to know who the child is. Tell us about your, your child. Is it right. your son, your daughter, their name? You know, yep. what are they up to? And then, and then it, it sort of calms it as well. Because I think to your point, if people don't adapt to that, then they'll yeah. always be reacting that someone's in the room around me. And that makes it feel uh, very business centric. And yep. I think that centricity has to be removed a little for us to be more comfortable in this, in this new order that we're in. That's absolutely true. And Andrew, who's our sound engineer, chief marketer, everything that helps make this podcast happen, you know, the, the number of times that I've now um, encountered his cat um, on camera and, and I'm allergic <laughs> to cats. I'm going to start sneezing when I see the cat now. It's, yeah, um, animals as well. They're, animals they can well. all be present now. <clears throat> yeah. Coming back to the point that, you know, obviously this, this brought about a huge amount of uncertainty in the space of a blink of an eye from everything being predictable to everything being incredibly unpredictable and very hard to kind of figure out what the future might lie and so on. You made a pretty bold move switching to Avaya. Tell me more about that. What encouraged you to swap roles in this environment? Why now? Yeah, well, well look, I guess first and foremost, uh, transparently, I was uh, having conversations with uh, Avaya about a new role Literally, uh, it would have been a, a number of weeks just before the first the first lockdown, uh, and you know you'd expect that this is uh, you know in the hiring landscape these things take while, a while to build into yeah. you know to to roles and acceptances and contracts. So I knew about it before the pandemic, but equally to your point, the pandemic appearing obviously affected my view of what I be sh- I should be doing. You know, you you become you become personally protective about your situation, and you think, well, is this now going to be the right thing for me? I think the the main reason I was was very very happy to continue was exactly the reason of technology. I was fortunate enough to be working for a for a major telecommunications organisation, and and uh, previously I've worked for many telcos and uh, telecoms organisations, as much as infrastructure uh, more generally. And this has always been my background. So. When I uh, at least knew enough about Avaya because I'd worked with them previously globally. And I also knew about their journey and they have rebranded. They have gone into a a mode of true uh, SaaS operation. They've gone on that journey with a a heightened awareness because, of course, uh, they've been doing it at a time when when the world around us has changed and their technology is very effective in this type of, of, of model. So it has supported things and it supported my decision ultimately because I knew from that that it was still the right thing to do. And, and equally, uh, I, I, you know, my, my personal belief is, is we are here 
as a partner for customers, and we're here to help them because we've all been affected by this change. And therefore, I knew with, with my, my skill set and experience, it was at least something that I could bring to Avaya and help them apply uh, in greater effect uh, to, the, to the Australian and, and, and New Zealand market. So, so I, I saw it as a, as a continuing viable opportunity and was very happy to, to, you know, to move over here. I'm sure you know other people might have you know, looked at such an opportunity, and even though the conversation started beforehand, might have said, "Look, current circumstances, mm. the way things are, etc." I might just take mm-hmm. a back, bit of a you know, I might backpedal a bit here and so on. But you you grab you grasp the opportunity with both hands and and saw the opportunity as as, as well, which I think is very admirable. Your first week in the role, I mean, you, you know, you're still fairly new to the role and, 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 you know, we don't hear many accounts of what it is like for a leader to get into a new role. You know, you've started new roles in the past where we haven't been working like this and mm. it's been a kind of more of a sort of a business as usual onboarding experience. So, yeah, what is an onboarding experience like for a business leader in that first <laughs> week or two? Um, for, I think, as I said earlier, because of my, my general engagement approach, I, I, I did initially find it quite challenging because, you know, it wasn't about walking in a door, being welcomed into an office, and then congregating with people to talk about them and, and talk about the business. It was very much a series of phone calls. Uh, it was a series of meetings on video conferencing. And that, that has a, a different, uh, there's a different practice and methodology around that because it, it actually takes longer to achieve mm. certain outcomes because you have, to, you have to get the right people on the video to answer certain questions. You might have to go elsewhere on another video call or phone call to answer other questions. Whereas when you're in an office with the people, mm. um, not saying that some you know, weren't already obviously based in other states, but, but the, the sort of the key people I needed to engage with immediately were all now separately in their homes. And so it required a, a series of calls and discussions to firstly achieve in my first couple of weeks what I would normally hope to achieve in a couple of days. Yeah. But part of that was also because even coming into a new organization, I needed to ensure I could put the technology into use. And whilst I knew of Avaya and I knew of its capabilities, mm. I hadn't actually used the tech before. Um, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's amazing technology. It, it, once I'd used it for a few days, I suddenly realized I could close gaps and close process timeframes and do things better. So yeah. whilst, whilst we all expect that when humans are together, I do feel there is a, a unique collaboration experience, reading each other's body language, uh, being able to whiteboard together and get excited mm. about something. That's not so easy over, over video conferencing, regardless of using, you know, a Kanban board on your on your screen or, or a whiteboard on a digital touchscreen. It, it's still just quite not that it's not quite the same. And, and equally, when you're trying to display who you are, me as a human, who am I, uh, trying to garner trust and also be empathetic because, of course, I've come into a business that's been through some change. Uh, it's also going through change at a tumultuous time. It's, it's hard to get your messages across when, when literally you're being stared at on a screen. So, so it did require me adapting even further to, to work within the confines of technology. But equally as well, we were, we were uh, lucky enough to be able to maintain social distancing in the office space we have. So we at least had a few of us in at a time. And we've maintained that rigor and, and process to obviously um, make sure policies applied. But I found a balance now, and it, and it was getting that equilibrium that was important. But, but to mm. your point, 
very different <laughs> to going into a yeah. new role where I didn't have to use any technology at all. Very different indeed. And, and uh, quite a, you know, for anyone doing this, what an experience. Because yep. you can now you can now portray that you know if you're moving to a new job you're moving to a new employer you, you get to talk how you've mm. you've lived through those differences it becomes an experience thing that you are now experienced at having to manage through these types of scenarios as well as apply change in these scenarios. I think you made a really good point. You had to rapidly engage with the technology um, that Avaya offers. But when you think about people who are in a sales and consulting role, trying to talk to customers about how the mm. technology works, there's nothing better than being thrown in at the deep end and having to be able to then deploy that technology to solve mm. your own personal mm -hmm. um, use cases, because I think it makes it then easier to empathize and walk in the shoes of your customers as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and actually, just on that, um, I, I can tell you that... Um, we uh, we responded to a proposal, a customer proposal. Mm. Every customer proposal I have ever responded to in my life has been a face-to-face. -face. And lo and behold, this proposal required us to have 40 people on video conference, eight from Avaya, the rest from the customer. And we had to present our suite of capability and our, uh, I guess, language, how we mm. provide value to the customer. We had to do all of that via a video conference. And again, the, 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 the uniqueness was, number one, everyone on that call, it was the first time they'd probably ever experienced doing it in such a, in such a way. But number two, what you, you got to experience was, you know, where there was a bandwidth issue from one person, mm -hmm. maybe they mm -hmm. were presenting and they were, they were currently, you know, they were currently streaming huge, uh, a huge uh, data file or something yeah. like that. You, you, at least with the customer, you knew that was okay. That was acceptable because yeah. we're all having to live with this. Yeah. So, so it was a, it was actually a great, another great experience where such a change has immediately been adapted to. And uh, such a process like that, which is very heavy for any business partner or customer, it's a very heavy process, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And um, it was great to see that between us, um, we were adapting to the situation and, and working with it. And, uh, and again, that, that, that was through technology. It came to life. That's a great example. Was that a, a new or an existing um, customer just of interest? That would be a new customer. So it's the first time, first time we presented to them on, on such, a, a, such an opportunity. Well, that's really fascinating because a lot of the conversations I've been having are the, you know, the, the, the biggest problems are engaging new customers and people tending to go with who they know rather than taking mm -hmm. risks with mm -hmm. a changing supplier and, 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 and so on. So that's, a, that's, that, that's really fascinating that that mm -hmm. worked for a new customer. The office is open, I should say, for a via, but I guess that doesn't mean back to business as usual. No, no, it doesn't. We are following all the guidelines that we should, and we're applying those uh, rigorously. And equally, globally, Avaya has followed the stance of many, which is, you know, this isn't just about your employee base or people in the workplace. It's by creating movement from one place to another, you're creating mm -hmm. risk. So I think we've followed the rigor of, of, uh, of advice from government and, and uh, advisors. And uh, we continue to have only a handful of people in the Sydney office, which is the largest. We have offices across the eastern seaboard. And, and again, they are, are infrequently used and obviously in Victoria, not at all. In the majority, I would say we have around about 85% of our, of our employee base all still uh, working from home. 
And look, and we've been very supportive to say that if that's a choice you, you need to make as much as want to make, that that is mm -hmm. okay. We will work with that. And, and I think, you know, as I'm seeing from customers and partners alike, it, it's a continued theme now. And I was I was staggered to see a, a statistic in a in a recent Gartner report where you know something like fifty seven percent of CMOs expect some kind of return to business as usual within the next year and a half to two years, and and, and I find that quite staggering, really, because that for, for me doesn't seem to sit with many of the conversations I'm having with 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 many of our clients that they're now at a stage of the pandemic where we've kind of got over the initial crisis we've got our people back to some level of productivity we've managed the risks and now we're kind of engaging the leadership to really kind of try to reinvent the business model we've accelerated the deployment of some of the technologies that you've been describing mm -hmm. and again you know that shift into the cloud is making us really rethink the opportunity really rethink the business model so i personally don't see this you know this this perception that there's going to be some level of return to normal because i think if we're reinventing the business models well they're not going to be the old business models they're going to be new business models how do you see that landscape starting to evolve um look i, I think one, the first thing i'd probably uh, say I, I don't necessarily advocate for is then is is people using the term new norm as well you've probably yeah. heard that because yeah. you know what what was normal anyway it wasn't yeah. defined in any way and I think what people are trying to, to 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 set an expectation on is that economically, there has to be a return to some form of business as usual. Mm. But it's just that that business as, as usual, of, of course, is is not only defined differently now; it's activated differently. Yeah. Uh, if you are a if you're in the travel industry, well, wow. How do you return to any normality? if predominantly along with retail, they are affected in the way that they are. If you are an organization such as Avaya, it's a very different discussion because of course we can continue to operate in the model that we have uh, because of the technology. So it really depends on, on your business uh, ultimately. But I, I think if you, if you talked about the, the timeframes you, you, know, you, you gave as part of that, that study, 18 to 24 months, I think it, it's going to be so variable because, you know, mm. the, the research and the scientific uh, insight tells us these things are, are not going to be over quickly. Even if a, uh, a cure was found, how quickly can that really be rolled out and applied? So organizations and companies and countries will have to have some form of control until a more dramatic sweeping change can be applied. And, and as, as we know, that takes a long time. So I think what we need to focus on and, and ultimately help customers with as much mm. as, you know, territories need to learn from is, is what you've just been through. You know, there are statistics telling us that, you know, only 30%, 37% of businesses had any plan to get through mm. such a crisis. 87% mm. of companies admitted their employees' ability to actually work in lockdown was heavily restricted. And that's because, most likely, everyone was very focused on uh, their capital and their, their OPEX being applied to very specific programs of work. And this hadn't been thought about. Now, unfortunately, it's been forced upon everybody. So, of course, now we have to at least learn from that. And we have to, we have to be able to say, don't go back to your normal way of working. Don't think that you can just simply reapply processes of old 
and your office construct mm. and, and whatever else was in place, you probably cannot do that again because regardless of, of the time it takes to resolve this situation, you need to be planning to get back to your business operating as usual as quickly as you can. And the only way you'll do that is applying a, a shift and a change. And that obviously comes in whatever form you've currently, you've currently implemented. And if you haven't, then, then clearly there still needs to be some thought process around how you will, because you know there is every chance that further lockdowns and implications of any nature, uh, restricted you know social distancing measures in your office, all those sorts of things are still going to have some form of implications. So, so I, I don't. I, I, it's a very personal comment, of course, but I don't see business really ever returning as usual. I see it in its current form, maybe taking certain steps forward where certain processes can be adapted and changed. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, what we don't want to do is see organizations to go backward because there is an opportunity to learn off what we've been through and then apply that change. That's, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, you're, you made a very good point. The processes were simply not fit for purpose. They were not flexible. Mm. They were not adaptable. They were simply the wrong processes for dealing with the crisis we're in. But it wasn't just about being able to respond to the immediate issues, but it was also about them being able to then take advantage of the new business opportunities. So if, if the level of commuting that happened previously is no longer there, if we're starting to figure out that we can live further away in different locations and so on, it's going to have implications for our cities and how we live and, and how we work. And that is going to open up many yep. more new opportunities. Yep. And, 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 mm. and the technology that you've described is going to be a really critical enabler, and not the opportunity per se, but mm -hmm. the enabler opportunity to happen. And, you know, to your point about, it's going to be a couple of years for this to bed in. Well, that's plenty of time for those new economic, those new business models to take root as well. And once they mm. take root, they're going to be equally hard to displace. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and I think, therefore, it's, it's about how fit for purpose you can make your business model, you know, to start activating ahead of time and so that yep. you're, you're prepared. And, and effectively, you know, again, always dependent on industry or business, mm. you hope that you can apply something that will work through such a recurrence and keep operating as, as it can. There's no stopgap. You can't just find that gap fill. It needs to be planning for both the, the short and medium term, but with a far more longer planning view. You've almost got to plan three years out and work backward mm. just so that you can see how you can bring those short and medium term journeys together with the longer term. And, and I think... Um, the, the one thing I think we've all obviously recognized out of this is that it, it's not necessary that, that COVID is, has forced a change in business. It's, it's just accelerating the future. It, it, you know, that future is coming right. toward us far faster yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't need to call out statistics, but the number of organizations and uh, homes, you know, using technology the way it is now, um, you know, is probably here for good in many examples. And so I think, you know, the, the adaptability that we've talked about is going to be absolutely key. I would say that's where partners particularly play a key role. Mm. They've got to ensure that they can uh, support that adaptability, you know, yeah. um, flexibility in how subscription can work over maintenance, yeah. how um, use base or utilization based pricing can be flexed because, of course, organizations may unfortunately be impeded you know, month in, month out 
if we use examples like Victoria or, or other uh, other countries in you know that have lockdowns, whether they're localized or not, we need to be able to support organisations being able to work in this new model and 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 be very flexible about it. You're right there, and I think it, that flexibility is so important in terms of you know the consumption models that you described for an for an as a service, whether that be a software as a service or a platform as a service solution, because organizations now need that flexibility. There really, there really are peaks and troughs. I mean, you know, the, the, the last few months I've, I've seen some incredible peaks yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. really kind of, you know, low testing of contact centers have been stretched to the absolute limit, as mm -hmm. has the underlying technology and the platforms mm -hmm. um, and infrastructure supporting that. And you made such a good point there about the role that partners and the the ecosystem is having to play ensuring that the infrastructure and the technology is is ultimately resilient and adaptable at the same time you know highly resilient and highly flexible they they seem to be asynchronous but you need both attributes in place at the same time so how do you kind of how does that kind of translate through in terms of how avaya is working with partners and the ecosystem yeah, look, we we uh, we have obviously a very strong uh, channel uh, arrangement uh, with partners. So again, we've had to work very closely with them to help them understand how we can help their business models and their engagement with customers as much as you know direct customer relationships that we carry as well. The the good thing, I guess you would say, is we've experienced this change as much as being part of it. Uh, we had a large change in places like AGL Energy. Uh, where they needed to uh, enable uh, a thousand plus frontline agents to be able to work from anywhere. And it was uh, thanks to our partnerships with Telstra and TCS that we actually enabled that in a very quick time frame. In the UK, there was an enablement for uh, 4,600 agents to work from anywhere with Vodafone. And I think when you look at those, you, you, need to, you need to, number one, use them as examples because we need to be able to repeat that. And they need to be examples that we, you know, that we do shout about. Um, it's not, it's not about the the value or benefit to to a buyer. It's actually about the value and the benefit to the customers. Because ultimately, what we're trying to show is that we've now worked towards this model um, to help flex up and flex down, and that is something that you can you can ultimately gain from. It needs to work within your ecosystem and planning, and of course, it, we we are here to support you through that. But you mentioned uh, Gartner earlier, and, and I know for, a, for a, another stat that, that was shared that 88% of organizations did adopt to work from home strategies, and, and, and that was purely in response to these restrictions. So, mm. so it shows you that there has been a, a sweeping change, not just a small mm. change. Mm. Um, and to your point around that volume, uh, when you're talking about the scale of some of the contact centers that we work with, you know, 4,600 agents. The enablement plan alone, you would probably normally in an old model have planned for, you know, three to six months. Mm. But this this had to be done in a very short time frame. And of course, we had to make certain changes within the customer territory and their technology as much as in our own to enable that to, to, to activate fast. So so it's also it's it's challenged. It's challenged mm. us, it's challenged our customers, but it's yep. challenged our thinking. And because of the forced nature of this. At least we've now shown that this is something that can be re-enabled and repeated for, for customers in any variable line of work, ultimately, where they've got both uh, unified communications yeah. and contact center needs. My take on that is that, is that the technology was, was being developed to enable 
highly decentralized modes of working, but nobody took it up because there was no imperative. And this you know, came in as a, well, you have to, you have to go from this centralized operation. If you yes. want to keep this operation going, mm -hmm. you are going to have to decentralize rapidly to 4,600 homes. And I think kind of once you made that shift and you realize actually the tech wasn't, well, it works for a centralized model, but it's mm -hmm. really good for this decentralized way of working. Yes. Yes. And we can get a lot of the employee benefits around that as well, because our people were probably saying they wanted that, but we were not prepared to embrace yep. that enable that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 i guess when you when you look at it from a to, to that point when you look at it from a, a an employee or human centric thought process or or operation and your maybe your hr for example can you imagine the the pressure within that part of the business because of course they're thinking you know are we enabled to support our people working yep. from anywhere or from home so every every business line was 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 implicated in this and had to, to work together in unison. And I think that what that does show is, is the strength in, you know, in most businesses where it was enabled quite quickly through all of those channels and paths within the business. And I think to, to that point, you're right. I think it's, it's absolutely shown that there was probably an underlying hunger for more mm -hmm. flexibility. And I think you know, this, is, this has proven not only was there more flexibility available, it's just that the technology wasn't being used in, to provide the flexibility, it was being used to the value of the business um, and how much you wanted to spend on that technology. So it, it forced that yeah. behavior. And now, of yeah. course, it, it's proven itself. So that's a, that's, a, that's a good outcome of all of this. That's it. I think that, you know, external shocks, and I've never seen an external shock like this. And I've witnessed, you know, everything from, you know, major recessions, you know, the GFC or the credit mm. crunch, as the rest of the world called it. None of those, and, and they have been major external shocks, but but really nothing like this in terms of its you know its global effect and the immediacy of the effect and the way it directly and immediately affected everybody's lives without exception. The response to that shock, I think, is 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 what's uh, most illuminating and most insightful is is that flexible and agile response. Now, mm. looking looking ahead, a cure would be would be great because <laughs> it will, <laughs> it will yep. you know and uh, it, when that cure happens when that vaccine does eventually happen and fingers crossed that it that it will are we going to return to the old way what are you hoping for for the future how would you like this kind of level of certainty that comes back with a vaccine combined with all of the things that we've learned through our response to the shock that we've had hard for anybody to to try and paint a picture of the of the future and, and i think as i said earlier you know how long will it take to roll out a vaccine how quickly can it can it be accepted into society so on and so forth there's so many there's so many aspects to that make sure that you don't have to go go back because mm. if you if you found if you found that that sort of rhythm through a model that's still supporting your business, then ultimately you want to try and retain it to some degree, you know, whether that is in use and supportive technology or otherwise, of course. When you think about the, the short, medium contingency plan um, that mm. is needed, ultimately it, it's got to be in line with a new strategy. And I'm sure, as we know, so many organizations had to completely reconsider their, their capex they had to completely re reconsider their OPEX. And ultimately, it's now created uh, a new approach that's necessary. 
and that new approach can be supported by by technology. And it absolutely, I think, can still support so many businesses to be successful as long as it, you know the thought process is swift, and as long as it's uh, got the right action plan around it. Then, then I think you know the the technology is simply the core to that to help organisations. Um, our focus ultimately um, is is actually making sure we strategize with our customers. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not it, it's not about our technology. That's that's what we're we're famous and responsible for bringing to market. But the strategy is the customers. How can we guide them through these challenges? How can we prepare them? How can we ultimately ensure long-term strategies are, are, are also adaptable? So that you know that big old you use the word agile, that big program of work in a in a waterfall methodology yeah. um, almost becomes no more because mm. things may impact that program differently as to how yeah. how it was. Your critical path. Uh, probably looked very different about three to four months ago. So um, I think what we've got to do is is ensure that customers are very aware that we can support them through any returning threat and ultimately be very adaptable for them. I think on a personal level, <laughs> I, I think uh, I, I do miss the face-to-face time. I, I do hope that you know uh, with a vaccine it can it can return us to some some form of that. Uh, whether we're still bumping elbows punching fists and wearing masks, obviously only time will tell. But I think I, I personally miss the engagement. I miss the, the physical engagement, the ability to stand with people and, and have a great conversation. And, and I miss that both at a company and a personal level as well. Um, and, and traveling, traveling is, uh, you know, something that, yeah. that's been in my blood. To not be able to just hop on a plane at the moment is, uh, is, is quite demoralizing. I'm with you on that. And I guess the last thing you're looking for is some silverware with black and white ribbons on. <laughs> uh, I might be waiting a long time for that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, vaccine's nice. not going to cure that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, not unless there's some other special vaccine that energizes a team to, to perform better. <laughs> but no, and, I don't and, think so. And, and for the benefit of the audience who are kind of scratching their heads going, what are they talking about? Is that uh, Simon's <laughs> a, a, a diehard uh, Newcastle United fan? So look at the history books there. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully no, don't, don't. don't. <laughs> I think I think what was it the Fairs Cup I think it was called I can't remember that was the last one so so yeah we've been yeah. we've been close we've been close to other cups but uh, no no unfortunately not our oh, pleasure Simon it's been great to have you on the pod been uh, very interesting and fun talking with you as well and yeah absolutely best of luck for the future everything goes well at Avaya and uh, sounds like you know you've joined at a great time fantastic thanks for your time Steve I really appreciate it pleasure. <laughs>